Greetings, my name is Griffin Schaefer. And my name is Scott Peterson. And this is episode 103 of Inside Quizzing. A podcast about Bible quizzing for folks who love the Bible. And in this episode 103, Scott and I are going to be doing a deep dive on all things reference questions. We basically were talking about, in the previous episode, we were talking about how to write good questions in general. We predominantly focused on interrogatives and and multiple answers. We talked a little bit about reference questions, but this episode is really the massive deep dive into reference questions, not just around like how to write them, although we we are certainly going to be talking about uh, that, but around all sorts of strategies regarding reference questions. Everything you were ever wanting to know about reference questions but were too scared to ask, we will hopefully cover in today's episode. But before we get to that exciting and deep dive topic, I wanted to make a quick announcement. In PNW Quizzing, for PNW Quizzing, there is going to be a leadership meeting this week. Uh, everybody who is a PNW Quizzing leader has already been notified. So theoretically, this should not come as a surprise to anybody who is uh, you know, a coach or a quiz master or something like that. Uh, but the PNW Quizzing Leadership Meeting is this Wednesday, August 25th at 6 p.m. And we are going to be talking about Well, a lot of things, but predominantly we're going to be trying to figure out how we are going to be able to to conduct in-person quizzing this uh, season, given given the, you know, ever-changing policies in Oregon and Washington. Uh, Oregon actually has been at least a little bit stable for the last month or two, I think, but Oregon, sorry, Washington uh, changed uh, some policies about a week or something ago that uh, potentially could have some impact on in-person quizzing. Actually, it will have some impact on in-person quizzing. So we need to talk through all of that and talk about how we can do quizzing in this upcoming season with everything that's going on with the, you know, anti-COVID sort of measures uh, in both Washington and Oregon. Um, But on some good news, and actually that's not so much bad news, it's more the leadership meeting is about, well, here's the situation and what do we do to actually work within the confines of the situation to actually do the best thing that we can do for for quizzing? Uh, But we have some good news theoretically on deck to return uh, into PNW quizzing this season are three uh, churches who have quizzed with us in the past. First is uh, EBC Eastridge Baptist Church is planning to come back. I think they have three teams, uh, but don't quote me on that. And Trinitas is set to come back. They either have three or possibly four teams uh, from Trinitas. So that's pretty cool. And then uh, NSA, North Seattle Alliance, is theoretically coming back. We don't have a read on exactly how many quizzers are there. It might be one, it might be two teams, potentially could be zero teams. I'm hoping the number is greater than zero, but there is a chance we could see uh, NSA represented back in PNW in the coming uh, season. So all of that is, uh, well, that's not all going to get decided on Wednesday the 25th, but we're going to definitely talk a fair bit about it on the 25th. So hopefully by next podcast, I will have more news about what's going on with PNW quizzing. All right. So with all that said, let's dive into all things reference questions. So Scott, uh, why don't you take it away? Yeah. Reference questions. Hopefully we'll cover Well, hopefully we will cover everything, but I guarantee you we will not cover everything. So please be ready with your questions and the things that we missed. But leading off reference questions, uh, we are reference questions cover kind of four types. Um, 
They are chapter reference, chapter verse reference, chapter reference, multiple answer, and chapter verse reference, multiple answer. Um, they are one of only two main types. So I, I refer to reference questions as a main type because they are the basis for um, question type minimums and maximums, um, which do not care whether the t- the reference question types are chapter reference, chapter verse reference, or either of the multiple answer iterations. Um, so reference questions is a main type. Um, there's another main type, quote questions. And together, reference questions and quote questions are the only types that have non-material um, content read by the quiz master in the question. So quote questions obviously start with quote Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, um, none of which, I guess, technic- well, it technically does exist in the material, but um, you're memorizing the words um, so that the reference does not, I don't know, that's kind of a fine line, huh, Griffin, whether or not the reference exists in the material, but it's not like the spoken text or the written text. The references weren't divinely inspired. Let's put it that way. All right. Um, and then for reference questions, the quiz master will start reading the question um, with according to, and then either uh, according to the book, and then either just the chapter or the chapter and the verse, and then they get to the, the question. Um, so these are the only types where that's the case. Situation questions are definitely constructed very interestingly, but once the quiz master gets down to question number one, question, they are just reading right from the text. Um, so let's see here. I touched on the question structure and kind of how the quiz masters read them, and it's a little bit different. Um, and then the four subtypes of reference questions. Um, let's see. What's what's the point of them? So the way I always like to teach reference questions is that they are just interrogative questions, but um, they, they appear more than once in the material. So an interrogative question might be, Jesus went where? Um, or Jesus went down to where, um, a reference question is no different. It's just that instead of having um, a unique word or phrase in the first five words, it has no unique word or phrase in the first five words. And because the basis of a reference question or the question portion occurs more than once in the material, we have to help you out. We're not going to read you a question um, that appears to more than once and you just have to guess. We're going to give you enough to narrow it down. So... Um, if the question in question um, appears only once in the chapter but appears somewhere else in the material, then we will just give you the chapter according to Matthew chapter 1 and then the question. But if this question occurs more than once in the chapter, then we've got to give you both the chapter and the verse. And that's really all there is to them. They're interrogative questions, but we need to give you just enough information for you to locate it in only one spot in the material. And for regular interrogative questions, this is done by by requiring a unique word or phrase in the first five words. For reference questions, this is done by giving you either the chapter or the chapter and the verse. And together with the question text, you are able to limit it to only one spot in the material. How's that intro, Griffin? That sounds great. All right. So what does the competition gain from having this type? I do not know how the question types were devised originally or continue to exist. And I have no idea if someone sat down or a group of people sat down and said, like, you know, does this have real value that is different from the other types and should it exist on its own? I don't know. But I think reference questions are a much different test than other question types because for really every other type, interrogative, multiple answer, 
um, the finish questions, the situation questions, and to some extent the quotes, very pretty quickly, like at least within the first five words, you have limited it to one spot in the material. Um, and where was I going? Oh, what's the point? So if you hear enough of the question, you um, and let's let's say hypothetically you knew the material amazingly, then you would just know where to go and where to start quoting from. That's all there is to it. You hear something, you match it to the one spot, and you start quoting. Reference questions are not that way. If you hear um, what word or the word of whom, well, your mind might go to one of many places. And if the answers in those places are different, like maybe it's the word of the Lord or the word of God or the word of... Um, Oh, what's another the word of that exists in the Gospels, Griffin? Can you think of one? Oh, not offhand. But anyway, um, I'm sure the word of man exists in there somewhere. Um, but if you hear this question, the word of what? The full question has been read, and the quizmaster is counting down those five seconds. Well, you can't. your mind will not just go to one spot just on the question alone. You have to have additional information, which is either the chapter or the chapter in the verse. Um, and to me, that... That requires a different sort of thinking. It requires knowing the references, obviously. But I just think it's different than hearing words and immediately you're recalling um, the words that go around them. This way you hear words, but you have to think of the chapter. You really, the words are kind of irrelevant at the beginning. You need to go to the chapter um, or the chapter and the verse and then start recalling more based solely on the reference than on any of the words. All right. We covered how the quizmaster starts reading them. Oh, and because there is non-material content in the question, um, the according to Matthew chapter one type uh, stuff that the quizmaster says, it creates an interesting foul scenario that does not exist on most question types. So, on most most question types, if you jump at any point after the quizmaster f- um, finishes question and has discernibly started, so discernibly meaning. Um, verbally so you can hear it, or if their mouth has moved so that you can see it, if they have discernibly started reading the question, then a jump's awarded. And so the only time you're really getting a foul in those scenarios is if your light comes on or stays on um, in that really small space between when the quizmaster finishes saying the final question and when they discernibly start reading the actual question. There's not a whole lot of time in there. Um, whereas on quotes and reference questions, at, if you jump at any point um, after the quizmaster says the word question up until the v- chapter number is discernibly read, then um, that's a foul. So it's a much longer period of time where if you jump on quote Matthew chapter or according to Matthew chapter, uh, if you jump at any point there, a foul will be awarded and not um, a jump. And that is different. We should maybe dive into why that is the case. There's an important reason why that is true. Why don't you tell us? Okay. Well, so the reason is because I don't want to provide the opportunity. I shouldn't say I provide. I don't know. Quizzing does not want to provide the opportunity for a team to intentionally uh, pre-jump 
on a reference. And by pre-jump, I mean jump prior to there being any possibility of getting it correct, right? So like if you if you jump so early that all you get is a mouth shape on an interrogative, there is still a chance you might get it right, depending upon what the mouth shape is. And, you know, there 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 is a chance. Now it's not very likely, but there there's at least a chance, right? Um, if you jump after the word according uh, in a reference question, you have no chance. Like, I mean, I mean, I guess that's not entirely true. You have one chance out of however many verses there are in the material. So the probability is essentially zero. Um, it's effectively zero. So the the reason we have the foul there is so that like you can't take away a question from uh from the sequence of say natural 20 questions or whatever whatever that the, the question is normally going to be sequenced in you're not removing that question from the opportunity of other people jumping on it so for example like if if question number three is a quote question and i jump on it and i try but then i fail that's an error and that quote question is no longer available to anybody right but if it is a reference question and i jump on according to uh the re the only reason i would be doing that is if i made some you know i fidgeted in my seat wrongly or something like that or i was intentionally trying to take it away from another team and we don't want either of those cases even the fidget situation to result in another team not being able to have the opportunity to get the question of of that right. particular type it removes that that type because there's a there's a limited number of times any particular type of question can show up within a particular quiz right so that's basically what's going on are you fine with me potentially taking us down a rabbit trail let's go, let's go let's go let's go digging all right so i rem um my wife participated in quizzing for a while um and is not a very big sports fan but does know some things but every now and then i describe something that happens in sports to her and her responses are delightful because she doesn't have all of the historical context and i feel like her her reactions are often purer and show me how ridiculous some things might be but i remember talking about um football so american football and how if one team is far enough ahead at the end of the game they will just intentionally take a knee um, which is forfeiting an entire play um, essentially and her response was well, that's not fair. They should have to keep playing until the game is done. And my retort was, so what about when your quiz team is up by 40 points on question 20? You just tell them to sit. Um, and I think her reasoning was um, not doing something is much better than intentionally doing something negative <laughs> or um, reductive, um, which I can see. But I, I guess my question is, if a team feels like they can intentionally err at a certain point, why are we penalizing them for being in that situation? And similarly, um, you talked about we don't want a team to intentionally forfeit a question of a specific type. Um, well, maybe another team is really, really good at that type, but only that type, um, which is it shows strength, but also a weakness. And it kind of reminds me of when the basketball player Shaquille O'Neal was so good, but terrible at shooting free throws. And so teams would just foul him because it was the optimal strategy. I'm just, I'm curious if you see any parallels, but also potentially differences that would lead us to, to want to retain the ability to not have teams commit errors on purpose in Bible quizzing. 
Sure. Yeah, I'm 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 with your wife on this one. I mean, I've always hated the knee in football. I totally get why it happens, and it's you know it's a byproduct of the rules being the way that they are. Um, but it's like, yeah, you're you're, and the difference between that and a team in quizzing sitting on questions say eighteen, nineteen, and twenty, if they're up by a gazillion points or something, is that like, well. With in quizzing, the team that sits is not preventing the other team from attempting to gain points. Right now, the other team won't win, but they're gaining points. They're 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 actively participating in the the process of quizzing. Right when a team takes a knee uh, on a play in football, the defense doesn't have anything to do. They're 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 you're you're essentially preventing the defense from actually doing something. Right. Um, which granted in the scope of, of football, you know, in those cases, it is the wise and prudent thing to prevent the defense from having an opportunity to, you know, do something that would be bad for you, you know, kind of stuff. So make taking any absolutely makes sense from a strategic perspective. Um, but in quizzing, I think there is, I mean, we, we have a rule in quizzing that says, you know, thou shalt not knowingly, well, thou shalt not knowingly, thou shalt not forfeit a question on purpose, right? Um, and if uh, you are attempting to forfeit a question on purpose and the quiz, or, uh, the quiz master or answer judge uh, think that you are doing so, um, you know, bad on you, right? Um, we have that there out of, I think, a spirit of saying like, you know, yeah, maybe it is an optimal strategy for you to uh, try to, you know, forfeit a particular question type, but we've deemed that to be outside the spirit of quizzing. Uh, we want everybody to have an as much of an opportunity to, you know, actually compete on the work that they've done to memorize the material, right? Um, now, granted, you, you can't make that perfect, right? So there are going to be situations where, you know, somebody happens to fidget in their chair and unintentionally gets a question that's been started. Uh, and let's say it was really too early. It was only like half a syllable. Uh, it was a valid, uh, it was a valid jump, quote unquote, in the sense that like, it's not a foul, uh, but we, and you know, the person can say, oh, I was just fidgeting. I didn't mean to jump. And we was like, well, you know, you still have to give it a try to answer. Um, we have those scenarios. So it's not, it's not a perfect system, but it definitely brings us closer. I think to the ideal of saying, you know, you win or you lose based on your material prep. Right. Right. And I agree. And I think in a lot of sports where there is clock, um, the incentives can get weird for teams near the end of the clock, right? Um, and it is not dissimilar in quizzing where the clock is the 20 questions. And so one kind of model that I think would be really fun to try out would be what you do is you pick a point total for all three teams to total. So maybe it's uh, 200 points. So once the total score of all three teams in the quiz is 200 points, and let's say the score is 100 to 50 to 50. And then you have to pick another number, let's say 80. You add it to the team that's in first, and then you just say, the first team to get to 180 wins. That might be four questions from now. It might be 25 questions from now. And so it removes like a lot of the... Um, it. I think it can remove any poor incentives, right? Because wanting to prevent another team from getting 
potential points, but it also prevents you is much less attractive in a scenario where you're all racing to a point total and not just wishing to get to 20 questions um, and still be ahead. Yeah, I can definitely see the pros there. One potential con could be, uh, let me think this through here for a minute. Uh, my brain is failing me. I mean, you have to throw out all individual, like you can't be awarding individual averages, you know? So, I, I mean, to me, this would be kind of a final nine bracket type scenario. There is a situation, like there are times where the emotional impact of a quiz, not impact, the the level of nervousness excitement going into a particular quiz alters jumping in really ridiculous ways so like you know if 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 there's three teams kind of going into semifinals it's sudden death or something like that and the teams are getting very you know excited and also extremely nervous or something like that and you can see you can see a situation where two of the three teams just massively pre-jump they just radically ludicrously silly fast jumping right they're getting a quarter of a syllable out on every question and they're airing left and right it is in the third team's best interest to sit right and we've talked about this before right like like you if you're that third team you do not want to accelerate your jumping you want to allow the first two teams to error and you collect the bonuses and you sit there waiting for them to slow down and then you you start getting questions right now obviously you're not waiting for them to slow down you're just jumping at an intelligent speed not getting questions until they stop doing the crazy and then once the crazy is over since you've been consistent now you're starting to win jumps that you can actually answer questions on and then you proceed to do that right so in a scenario where you're talking about like total number of questions Sorry, you're not t- talking about total questions. You're talking about total points. I wonder how that would alter that strategy because it would, in a sense, almost create the emotion of like rap- too rapid jumping toward the end because you're like, I... Well, maybe it wouldn't. Actually, maybe it would be the opposite because you, you're not you're not saying I've only got four questions left. I should speed up because what do I have to lose? Rather, you're saying I can't lose. I have to still be intelligent about about my jumping. Right. Right. But I could see in a situation where two teams are jumping really imprudently and and uh, one team is not that after six questions of air, air bonus, air, air bonus, it could be 60 to 10 to 10. And that is a far more advantageous situation going into question um, seven of 20 questions um, than a scenario where you're going for a point total, you know? Right, 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 right. And so I I can't remember the specifics, whether they pick a point total or they just say like after um, X amount of time or in quizzing X amount of questions, then that's like the point at which we add a set amount to the leading team because – you know, if after 10 questions, score is 80 to 10 to 10, and then you add 80 to the lady team score, like it's probably a similar advantage, right? Than being up by that amount with half the quiz gone. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, j- I think it really shines in basketball where the end game is foul, hope that the other team doesn't make two, and then you try to shoot threes because of the points imbalance. Right. And that doesn't quite exist in quizzing um, because it's hard to to gift teams free points that you know are less than the potential points you could get. (laughs) Um, 
you can see that happening sometimes if you know you're up by 20 and it's a toss up and you can get just air on purpose and guarantee them um, a 10 point bonus you know so it happens in like a real scope but anyway i was just interested because i i like the idea behind saying that you can't intentionally air but i think it has a lot of problems with implementation that i just don't like well yeah i mean i really 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 super don't like the it's it's not objective right like uh you know the if if there's a team that is intentionally erring uh the quizmaster looks at that or or more likely the answer judge because the quizmaster it's harder for the quizmaster to notice but the answer judge looks at that and has to make a judgment call and it's a super subjective judgment call like I don't I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I've I've even had to question or wonder about it but I know uh some people who have and it's not an easy call to make because there's no like you can't point to something and say aha that's it it's very clearly obviously objectively true it it's it's always you could be wrong you're like I think I'm 70% right but there's a 30% chance I'm wrong but I still have to make this ruling that is you know, pretty strong, I wouldn't call it draconian, but it's still a pretty strong ruling. Uh, and I mean, there isn't really any way to appeal it because it's entirely on the judgment of say the answer judge. Right. Uh, but it, so I don't know, <laughs> fortunately it's very rarely used. Right. And that's why like, it seems really uncomfortable to me because you are telling, you're telling a, a team you, I am saying that you are intentionally cheating. Right, right. right. That's like, that is the statement because, uh, and um, in most situations, I don't think you can know that for sure. And while we have to make rulings on correct or out of context in a kind of gray area, I kind of view that as a lot different, you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. um, not, I want to like actually know what's going on. Like be completely sure about this before I go to that level. And well, yeah, because you're 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 not just saying you recited it correctly or incorrectly based on my perspective, but you're you're actually. I mean, it's one thing to say somebody made a mistake. It's another thing to essentially impugn their honor publicly. Like you're publicly claiming that they're cheating. Uh, that's that's pretty harsh. Yes, it is. Uh, anyway, we, <laughs> that, Let's put that the was train a great rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you might be able to provide some, some more history than I can, but I wanted to talk about the history of the quizzer needing to provide the question. Um, so do you have any idea um, like if the quizzer providing the question on chapter verse references has always been a thing or at least long been a thing? It, so providing, so yeah, um, I do have some background on this. So providing the answer on reference questions used to be only the chapter, ver well, okay, let's go into the way back time. Into the way back time, there were interrogatives and there were not reference questions. And then there were occasionally interrogatives that would pop up that were not key enough. Uh, and that got people kind of annoyed and saying, well, uh, I guess we can't write that as a valid question. And thus the reference question was born because they said, ah, well, we can actually write this as a valid question. We just have to provide a, either a chapter reference or a chapter verse reference. And that kind of opened the floodgates to the whole idea of a reference question. And um, what ended up happening was there were, you know, these cases where, and you got to remember, this is like way back in the dark ages, we didn't have, you know, electricity, you know, and, and we were quizzing by candlelight and that kind of stuff. I only slightly exaggerate. Um, so, you know, as a quizzer jumping and answering, you 
well, sorry, not forget quizzers jumping in. As, as a question writer, you didn't have a lot of fancy ways of scouring the material uh, to ensure that your question was valid. And so what a, a natural consequence of this was that question writers tended to write longer questions with shorter answers. Um, now, I mean, this is, this is a very, very broad overgeneralization and lots of hand-waving here. So, you know, this was definitely not a universal thing. It wasn't like every question was like that. But generally speaking, questions tended to skew longer in the question text and shorter in the answer text, you know, kind of stuff. And with interrogatives, it was completely fine to just provide the answer, right? If you if you knew where you were, you'd provide the answer. And what ended up happening with reference questions, again, this was purely with chapter verse reference questions, was people were jumping so fast on the reference, uh, because if you've got a chapter and verse reference, if you've got that verse memorized, you can jump immediately upon the recognition of the number, right? You don't have to wait for even the beginning of the question. And there was this feeling that doing so was a hack or a cheat or something. Um, I've always been on the opposite side of this uh, debate. Um, I think there is something really... Okay, so I, so I should backpedal slightly. I like, I like the fact that on reference questions we ask for a quizzer's question if the question question itself was not read in its full, but I like it for not the reasons why we started doing it, right? I like it because it incentivizes uh, careful, even more higher prep. It, it incentivizes more study and it incentivizes strategic answering of the question when you win the jump, right? And for all of those reasons, a quizzer who is more prepared, has spent more, more time with the material, who has spent more time practicing, will by and large have a better opportunity of getting the question right than somebody who hasn't done that same level of investment, right? And for that reason, I am pro asking for the question. But the original intent was essentially saying, well, there are these quizzers who have you know, uh, verses with references memorized word perfectly, and they are jumping, quote unquote, too fast, and therefore it is unfair to the other quizzers or some such thing. Thus, chapter verse references only were, we would ask for their uh, question, not chapter references. And then sometime, I don't know, it would have been after 2005, I think, that changed so that both uh, both chapter verse and chapter onlys uh required the the question do you know when that happened uh no but when i stopped quizzing in 2004 it was still not required so i think it was very shortly after that yeah i guess it was yeah it would have been sometime between 2005 and 2014 or something 2013 somewhere in that ballpark is when the change happened well when i came back in 2012 it had happened so yeah yeah okay in, so in that yeah. range between five and, and 12. So, I mean, the, 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 and, and I can, I can totally see the argument of, of it. Cause you're, you're saying like, well, if you have to do it for chapter verse references, why not do it for chapter references too, for the value of encouraging more strategic answering of the question. Right. And it's like, okay, so for the reasons I like having that rule in place for CVRs, we're putting it in for CRs as well. And so I'd like, well, okay, cool. I, I was very happy to see that change. Well, I mean, for CVRs, chapter verse reference questions, if you're not going to require the question, then it's not a reference question. It's yeah, just it's a, a quote. quote question. It's just a quote, right? yeah. And so then we, it's, it ceases to be um, a different kind of test. 
And for chapter references, that's less of a thing because it doesn't automatically then make it a quote or something else. Um, but to me, and this is going, this theme will come back, is that we want the quizzers to know like why it's a reference question and that it's a reference question. Meaning, if if they're jumping on the salvation of whom. I want them to know that they're jumping on that because it occurs more than once and ideally where it occurs elsewhere. And having them provide the question is better proof than anything else, or it's the closest that we can get to to having the quizzer prove that they know that it's a reference question and why. Whereas on a chapter-only reference, if they just jump and quote seven verses, stay in context and happen to cover it, they might have gone through 25 potential chapter reference questions and you have no proof that they have any idea um what they were trying to like um identify as the one right right all right and we talked about the history of um not always requiring the question on chapter references so now we're going to hit how to strategically best answer reference questions so to me i think that chapter references and chapter verse references are pretty different so for chapter verse references you have to know uh, the chapter and the verse you have to know large chunks of the material by verse reference. Otherwise, you've got no shot um, because so many reference questions occur in with very similar material repeated in consecutive verses but um, with different outcomes, right? Because the Bible has a lot of kind of analogies and compare and contrast where we'll say like um, – ah, I don't have a good example, but we will say like – one phrase in one verse and then almost the exact same phrase in the next verse. And so if um, you just kind of know the chapter and you get asked the salvation of whom, and in one verse it's men and the other ver- verse it's something else, um, you, you will have no idea which one it is. And that is the the whole test. <laughs> Can you narrow it down to the verse that I'm talking about? Because if you say anything from another verse, you're out of context. Um, whereas chapter references... I never really had a really good handle on how to prepare for them because um, you're just given a chapter. Chapters could be short, like Hebrews 5, which is, I think, 14 verses, but it can also be a 90-verse chapter. And so I just worked really hard to write really good chapter reference questions and get really familiar with them so that if I heard, according to Matthew chapter 4, what is written, I had seen it enough for my mind to go to the one from chapter four and not to the one from another chapter. And I'm just making this up right now. Um, But I couldn't really think of a better way to prepare for those, um, which meant that I was still susceptible for my mind to go to the wrong one and for me to not be able to come up with the right one. Do you think about prep for chapter references differently? I don't really. I think of them more as a as a more lenient chapter verse reference. Right. And I mean, this just may be how my brain is wired, but like, I think of like, ideally what you want to do is prepare for quote questions, right? Um, Like if all other things being equal, prepare for quote questions, because then it's like, okay, you've, you've got the verse word perfect and you've got the reference. And if you do that, then you're basically prepared for interrogatives. You're basically prepared for CVRs and CRs. Um, the only thing that would, you know, you might want to put a multiple answer list together. There, there are some other, other things to sort of fill out some of the other questions, but I sort of the ideal level of prep is like, you know, quote questions. Um, and so like for me, a CR was really more like, well, prep for the CVR and then the CR should be fine. Um, it's just a little bit more general, right? 
R- right, right. So I guess, it, yeah, I think that's a really good way to think about it is if you know the CBRs um, or every verse by reference, then it's easy for you to kind of back it out to slightly more general. Um, but I was kind of looking for is there a way in between interrogatives and chapter verse references to, pe- to prepare for chapter references because I think it's harder to memorize the entire material with verse references or at least whole chapters with verse references than it is to – uh, memorize the same amount of material, but with no references. Um, and so I was hoping that there was something kind of in between for CRs, but I, I kind of see where you're coming from. I don't think so. I think I think in that way, like if you're talking about, like, yeah, the ideal is, you know, prepare 100% of the material at a quote level, like like a quote question level. If you can't do that, and let's say you're you you can only get a you know a subset of verses, I you know we've been, we've been talking about this before. Try to prepare whole chapters, you know, as many whole chapters as you can, um, at the quote level, right? And then kind of wean that one back. But like I would say, like if you're if your your prep should be try to memorize as many consecutive verses as you can with references up to you know that full chapter block because if that if you can do that right even if it's just one chapter and it's a short chapter then it's like okay well cbrs from that chapter you're great crs from that chapter you're great finishes quotes you're great right like your your interrogatives of course you're great for for that particular you know area if you if you don't get 100% of the chapter, then CRs start to potentially fall out of scope to be able to, to handle that. You, you might be able to get lucky and get a CR that's within the context of the stuff that you've memorized. Uh, CVRs are going to be easier. You know, quotes of the stuff that you have memorized are going to be easier, that kind of stuff. But CRs start to fall away, right? So, like, wherever you can, I would say, like, trying to get up to the chapter in terms of length is better than not right um i would rather see a full chapter of you know 20 verses memorized than say five verses from you know four different chapters and then whatever you can do to add references will benefit you across you know both reference questions and uh quote questions right um this is a bit a little bit jumping ahead but i think that at the pace that you typically the jumping pace that you typically see at internationals i think chapter references are the hardest question and i think i don't think it's pretty close um because it's usually a syllable and a half which on a good amount of crs is almost no information especially if the interrogative word is the first word and the first syllable and i mean half of our quizzing years are basically gospels um, where you have giant chapters, and it's just <laughs> I think that they are brutal at fast speeds, um, and they are only kind of hard at slow speeds, because the nice thing about chapter references is even among well, yeah, even among competitive districts, um, no one's jumping before the question starts, and that's a massive bit of information for when you have to form the question um, compared to chapter verse references where in competitive districts, usually you are just jumping on the reference, which means you have to come up with the question from scratch. You have no idea what it might be. Um, but for chapter references, even if the quiz master gets out the or what, um, it gives you a lot of information. <laughs> um, so I think there's a big difference in difficulty between district level and international level when it comes to chapter chapter references versus chapter verse references. And when I'm referring to one versus the other, I am lumping in their multiple answer counterparts because though the fact that one is a multiple answer, like a chapter reference versus a chapter reference multiple answer, doesn't really 
change the difficulty any. Um, it actually makes it a lot easier on the front end because there might be only one chapter reference multiple answer in a chapter, but there might be a hundred chapter references. But like once you've kind of jumped, chapter references and chapter reference multiple answers are, are the same, right? You prepare for them the same, you jump on them the same, you kind of answer them the same. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm lumping them together. So for chapter references, you answer them just like interrogatives, right? You jump on some of the question, you've got to finish um, the rest of the question and the answer. You do have to give the question um, unlike interrogatives, but I think that that is usually pretty easy on chapter reference questions. Um, but chapter verse references are a lot more difficult. And I'm talking about mainly when you jump on just the reference, not just because you have to recall the verse um, by only the verse reference and not by anything in the verse, but also because you have to identify the question. And um, it's pretty common for there to be more than one um, potential chapter verse reference question in a verse. And so the way that most people quote is, or like the ideal way to do it is, backwards in chunks. When I say backwards, I don't mean like the last word and then the second to the last word. I mean just like chunk up the verse into sensible chunks and then say the last chunk first and then the last two chunks and then the last three chunks. So a good example is, see, like he is the man that was um, the prophet of God. So you could have a a lot of potential um, reference questions. You could have um, the prophet of whom? Um, you could have, he is what you could say the man who, what, um, he is the man who was the prophet of God, right? All those are valid. And if you quote from the beginning of the verse, um, you're probably not going to get prompted for your question until you're done with the verse. And at which point it could be any of those that I just named. However, if you just stand up and say, start at the end, the last chunk, the prophet of God, if you're prompted for your question there, You've eliminated the he is what or the man who what. It can't be that. You, you haven't even said those words yet. <laughs> and so you can just say the prophet of whom um, and you'll be right. And that, um, that method works really well for almost every chapter first reference question. There are some really, really, really rare scenarios where you actually want to quote it either forwards or jumping around in chunks and not just backwards in chunks. But those are so rare that I don't think it's worth worrying about them until maybe you have the entire material memorized and have quizzed for many meets on chapter verse reference questions and want to like keep increasing <laughs> your skill level. But it's just really not necessary because it's so rare. Um, and so the only, so the next, actually, do you want to jump into that point? I think quoting backwards no. is kind of a big deal. I mean, it is it is a total big deal, but I mean, I think you've covered it well. Just it, it's a it's something you should absolutely practice. You cannot just do it at a meet. So, you know, it may be if you're not getting enough of a quoting backwards practice on reference questions at your, you know, a church practice, you may want to try to you know get some friends together and and do some practicing that way, or ask your coach if you can have some time you know practicing uh, quoting backwards. It's a very important skill to. Uh, hone in on yeah and that's why knowing the material really really well um is such a benefit on chapter verse reference questions because if you are able to jump on the reference and start quoting 
one or two seconds into your 30 seconds and not 12 to 16 seconds into your 30 seconds, then you actually have time to quote backwards in chunks. It's not like a quote question where for most verses you could sit there silently for 20 seconds and then quote the entire verse easily in 10 seconds, right? Going forward. You can't do that with chap- with most chapter verse reference questions. And so you have to know the material well enough to, to recall the verse and be able to st- Recall the verse and start quoting within a handful of seconds. And um, generally, people don't know it to that well, uh, to that level, um, which really hinders your ability to get chapter verse references consistently. So there is one type that you might hear people refer to, or not type, it's like a a structure, and that is 50-50 reference questions. And these are almost always chapter verse reference questions. They do occur in chapter reference, chapter only reference, but most often just in chapter reference questions, where it is a most often a two-word phrase like good man, where good what and what man are both valid chapter verse reference questions. And there's absolutely no way that you can quote it to narrow it down to one of them. Because um, to be pro- if, it, if the question on the Quizmaster's card is good what, you have to say both the good and the man before they can prompt you, because the man is the answer. And it's the exact same for what man, where good is the answer. You have to say both of them. And then when the Quizmaster prompts you, you're like, I haven't narrowed it down enough. I have to guess. Um, and the current state of the rulebook is that um, it is a guess at this point. You have to, whichever one you guess first is your answer. And if it is not the one on the card, then you are incorrect. Um, in the past, there have been other ways of applying and interpreting the rulebook. Um one way has been that when the rulebook said a quiz master, a quizzer has to provide a similar question to the one on the card, that good what and what man are similar because they're kind of complete mirrors covering the exact same material. Um, and that was one interpretation that was not universally shared. Um, so the current state is you have to guess right the first time. And um, in some ways that is tough, right? Because chapter verse reference questions are already pretty difficult and rewarding a very high level of memorization. Um, and now there's an extra little wrinkle in them. But in reality, they do not occur that frequently. <laughs> um, you might, if you jumped on like every chapter of his reference question for a year, you know, I, I doubt you'd get five of them. You know, you might not get two of them. Um, so, but I think that is something useful to be aware because in, um, Quizzing circles, people will often just offhandedly reference the 50-50 reference question. Um, and it's not meant to be an inside joke or a gatekeeping bit of terminology. But um, So there, there it is described for you. So some other ways for you to prepare. Uh, for myself, writing my own questions and constructing lists was really helpful. Because I could see, oh, um, in this chapter there is only one chapter reference multiple answer. So if I know that... And I hear that chapter, which I think used to be John 21, um, and it's not the only chapter, but um, then you can just jump on the chapter number. It definitely requires a little bit of extra prep, but that can be a really fun thing to be able to do at a meet. Um, Similarly, I have run across single verses where I have five to ten potential chapter verse reference questions and that's a lot for a single verse and sometimes it's a long verse and so i find it very useful to develop a strategy because you can often if you know this you can look at the verse ahead of time and say "Ooh, if i quote 
this and this, it covers a couple of them, and I can skip over chunks while I'm quoting because there's really no possible chapter verse reference question in there. Um, and that can really help you. And I find that a lot of these little preparations help in especially um, to increase your confidence, even if you never actually get to capitalize on the specific bit of prep at a meet. I just, I loved knowing that um, I could get a question from a long Matthew chapter or a giant um, verse with many reference questions, and I had a good shot to get it right because of my prep. That really framed everything that I was doing in a positive way. And so I think that's a good way to think about a lot of the prep that you're doing. It's not like, oh, I expect to be able to um, have, to, get a chapter verse reference on this verse and be able to do this. Um, but just knowing that that stuff isn't out there that will completely trip you up will, will really help you. I think we've already talked about some CRs versus CV, CVRs differences. Um, for chapter references especially, um, I found it useful to know which were the long and short chapters. So in, say, Hebrews first and second Peter year, the jumping might be a lot quicker on chapter references just because it's rare to have a chapter over 25 verses. Whereas in the Gospels, um, you might need to jump a little bit slower and be a little more cautious on chapter references. <clears throat> what what else? I was too vague in my notes. I said opportunities versus challenges when with regards to both of these, but I completely forgot what my motivation was for writing that into the notes. So who knows? Um, ooh, another big one is long chapters are have the potential for the reference to be longer, right? Meaning if I say... Um, verse one, I just say the word verse and then one syllable and I'm into the whole um, verse number and you know the, the verse. Um, but if I say verse 20, well, now I've said two syllables and it still could be one of 10 verses or one of nine verses if you eliminate 20 because I would have said it slightly differently. Um, and so knowing if there's a chapter where there's um, 10 verse numbers in the 20s and 10 in the 30s and 10 in the 40s, it makes it really difficult to devise a jump speed strategy um, because if it turns out to be like verse five, a very aggressive quizzer will have won the jump ahead of you. Um, but it's it's up to you to decide if you want to take on the risk of jumping that fast and getting stuck with a verse 20 or 30 where you won't know which of those 10 verses to choose from. Um and I found that in gospel years, especially at internationals, in general, the jumping speed was not slower. <laughs> and so I think the error rate or the accuracy um, was just a lot lower when it came to chapter verse references in those years. Yeah. All right. Some rule book stuff. It used to be that the rule book said that a valid reference question was on similar content. So if one place said um, um, – the man, the man went to Galilee, and another verse said the man went went down to Galilee. Um, the man went where, or the man went down to where, could both be valid reference questions, even though the material was not 100% exact. It was similar. That has since been removed. Um, if you jump on a reference question, that entire question has to occur somewhere else. Exactly. Which I love. Um, it makes it much easier for everybody, right? Question writers for quizzers preparing and for quiz masters. Mm -hmm. um, we already touched on that 50-50 reference question where um, some people had the interpretation that each of the two mirrored or opposite sides of that 50-50 reference question were similar to the other. Um, I always thought that that was a kind of a liberal interpretation of 
the quizzer providing a similar question. So lest I confuse people, I just switched tacks. I was first saying, like, what is a valid written reference question? It used to be on similar content, and now it has to be the exact same content. And now I'm switching to the rulebook language, which is talking about what is a valid quizzer-provided reference question, where it has to be similar um, to the question that the quiz master has written in front of them, right? Um, so it's the same word, similar, but it's two completely kind of different things that we're talking about here. Um, so on the 50-50 reference questions, some people thought that a quizzer providing that opposite side of the 50-50 reference question was similar enough. Um, and I, I think that's a pretty liberal interpretation. Um, but that similar still holds where, let's say the, the question on the quiz master's card is the profit of what? And the quizzer says, profit of what? Or even what profit? Um, I think just about all quiz masters I've run across will consider those variants to be similar enough. Um, what else? Oh, um, determining reference word or phrase. The infamous line in the rulebook, this was in the 2018 rulebook. It was introduced um, that a, the question a quizzer provides has to have the determining reference word or phrase from... Um, the Quizmaster's card. And this was actually written, um, it was trying to say that on a 50-50 reference question, the quizzer has to guess correctly the first time. But because the, of the way that it was written, kind of vaguely, um, it just was applied to every quizzer-provided reference question, not just in 50-50 scenarios. And within PNW, we determined that we don't have, like, it's not defined anywhere what a determining reference word or phrase. In my example, the profit of what? Is it the profit? Is it the profit of? Is it the word profit? Um, like, what is specifically the determining reference word or phrase? Um, and so because of that, we just didn't use this as any um, basis for ruling anything. <laughs> um, and the recent rulebook committee that has now rolled out a new rulebook um, – post-2018 quizzing rulebook has also decided the same thing. So um, that is now, I don't even know if it's in the examples, but it basically doesn't exist in the rulebook. Um, it is it, it is written much clearer in the rulebook than the 50-50 you have to guess right the first time. I, I believe it's written more clearly. Um, so that's a little history. And then a story that I have from Great West is, so before Great West, we would always talk about like, what would be the rules that we would want to use for for Great West? And ideally, this happens far, far, far in advance, much like it will be um, happening for internationals. But for Great West, all three participating districts were fine kind of just talking about it beforehand. Um, and we were all pretty – I think we were all really reasonable. And so uh, it was totally fine to decide – right before the meet started, like literally half an hour. Um, but we kind of had the same discussions year after year. And I found it interesting when talking to Canadian Midwest that they did something kind of different to what we did, but it had the exact same end result. So in Canadian Midwest, I do not know if this is still the case, but they allowed the quizzer to provide more than one chapter verse reference question or more than one reference question. Now, there are requirements that a quizzer has to stay um, within to be able to continue answering um, on reference questions. They have to stay in context, when, which on a chapter verse reference is just the single verse. Um, and if they provide a question, they can't provide a question of a different type. So if I'm asking you for a chapter reference and you provide me a question that actually has um, two answers and would be a chapter reference multiple answer, then you are incorrect on that those grounds. Well, um, what CMD would do is they still had those same requirements, but if a quizzer gave 
say, profit of what, they would just let the quizzer keep giving more questions until the quizzer got to the exact one on the card, which was the profit of what. And so as long as the quizzer kept saying, like, what profit? Profit of what? The profit of what? They, that they would then be counted, wrong, uh, counted correct on that third um, provided question that they gave. And that's because when they gave those first two, they were of the exact same type, the quizzer stayed in context, and they were allowed to continue answering. In PNW, we always just allowed the quizzer to provide a single question, and then we would just evaluate it. And we decided that um, we were comfortable um, evaluating similar, um, and we would do it off of the first question that the quizzer provided. So if if the card says the profit of what, the quizzer says what profit, we would decide that it's similar right on that first one. We would never make the quizzer get to the verbatim one that matched. Um, and so we kind of went about it in different ways, but we really ended at this exact same place. And I, I remember enjoying having that conversation because we both realized that we were doing something different with no different end result. Um, but let me just see here. I think we need to wrap it up. Let me see if I can sum it up. So we talked about what reference questions are and like kind of what their point is, what makes them different from other question types, how they're read differently by the quiz master, some of the origins around the quizzer needing to provide the question if they jumped before the question was completely read. We talked a lot about how to um, strategically prepare for before a meet for reference questions and then at a meet how to strategically answer them specifically quoting backwards in chunks and then we talked about rulebook stuff so history of um, different wordings in the rulebook and interpretations so please if you have questions or feedback on anything that we've talked about hit us with it um, I think we are going to finish up our deep dive in next podcast where we will talk about writing reference questions. So kind of from the question writer's point of view. And then we will also talk about the quiz master's view of like, how do we like um, rule on reference questions? What are some pitfalls? Um, and some kind of theories of like, what is the most appropriate way to deal with reference questions? Um, acknowledging that they are different from other types. All right, cool. And on that bombshell, we will uh, wrap up this episode 103 and, uh, as Scott mentioned, uh, talk about those other topics in 104 and beyond. Uh, if you have heard anything in this podcast with which you disagree, we would very much like to hear from you. We love hearing from people who disagree with us on anything. Or if you have any sort of thoughts or questions, uh, anything that Scott and I have been talking about in terms of refer reference questions on this or any topic in previous episodes, we would love to hear from you. Uh, please send us your comments and your feedback and your questions and your debates and so forth. Uh, email us at iq at cbqz.org. So iq at cbqz.org. And you can follow us on Twitter. Our account is at Inside Quizzing. And if you are on the Bible Quizzing Slack channel, you can follow us on uh, the Inside Quizzing Forum or the Slack Forum with the inside quizzing channel. I don't know. One of, one of those two ways is how it works. All right. So with that said, I will say thank you all for listening and thank you, Scott. Thanks Griffin for letting me talk for probably 90% of this episode. And thanks everybody for listening. 